0: Thanks for listening to the CISO Diaries podcast, we're Leah and I'm Shia and we started this podcast with the intent to give CISOs and cybersecurity professionals a place to be their authentic selves. These are the unedited stories told of how they got into cybersecurity, their real struggles that they persevered through, their personal anecdotes that make them tick and the leadership advice based on their own experiences. And we want to especially spotlight those that are contributing and giving back to the community apart from their day jobs. This podcast is for everyone, especially if you're a leader
1: or someone aspiring to leadership. Who knows? You may find yourself working with these awesome leaders.
0: So join us on your favorite podcast player. And please don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and comment and engage in the conversation. And now,
1: let's get to know our CISO on our latest diary entry. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. We are here on another episode of the CISO Diaries. And a quick shout out to our sponsor, Cyber Future Foundation. They are a think tank and a group of leaders who are focused on driving initiatives and workforce development and cyber peace. And our guest today um, is an exciting one for us. He is the CEO and founder of PlexTrack. He has his BS in computer science, a master's from the Naval Postgraduate School, has had various roles across IT forensics, security engineering, penetration testing, worked at the DoD, and now today, he's the founder and CEO, as I mentioned, at FlexTrack. Dan, welcome. It's great to have you with
2: us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I've been been in, uh, looking forward to, to being here with you all. Can, yeah. can I
1: just tell you how funny it is, Dan? Like every time Leah reads someone's bio, like you could see everyone like listening, like, okay, is that my bio? Is that really me?
2: <laughs> I know it's like, oh, that's like, that's me, huh?
0: <laughs> it, and it's and funny, then we all people are, like, people are like, oh hey, I'm impressive. <laughs> and then we all, I think, take steps back and think, man, I, I need to tackle more in my list yeah. here. Or I'm <laughs> feeling
2: old. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, I've been around too long.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, well, before we, you know, it is an interesting background. And before we jump into that and hear that from you, Dan. Congratulations, by the way, I know that your company recently closed series B funding about $70 yeah. million dollars or so. So that's, that's big. Congrats.
2: No, thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge milestone and, and an exciting time for us here at PlexTrack. And, um, as, a, as, a, as I kind of always say it, mark the milestones, you know, we, this is a good accomplishment, but, uh, you know, we got a lot of work to do ahead of us and, you know, and so, so it, but it's exciting, uh, to, to be here uh, at this stage for sure.
0: Yeah definitely exciting for the uh, traction there. So, you know, for those who don't know about PlexTrack can you give us just the, you know, high level elevator overview.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're a platform that helps aggregate data and helps facilitate, you know, proactive security assessments across, you know, pen tests, security assessments, like risk assessments or, you know, framework-based assessments, as well as purple team exercises. So those, those true collaborative engagements, whether those are tabletops or whatnot. So, so we facilitate all the workflow around those to get those into uh, actionable data and findings, and then facilitate the remediation and tracking of those on the back end. So, so we really take the holistic view of a, of a vulnerability from when it gets reported to who's working on it, and then the analytics that come out of the remediation lifecycle.
0: Very cool. And I hear there's some automation capabilities, which we all love, right? Yep.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. <yeah. laughs> the, more, the more time we can save, the better, right? You know, I mean, our, our mission at PlexTrack is to help, you know, teams win the right security battles. So staying focused on the right work, there's so much noise, you know, and, and at the end of the day, someone has to do the work on a daily basis. And so we really try to make sure that we're helping those teams uh, focus on the right things.
0: Excellent. So, you know, take us back a little bit in time because um, you've been a practitioner at quite a few different types of companies, I would say. And now here you are, um, CEO and founder of a company. So how did you get your start into cybersecurity and kind of what led you to want to go off and build your own company now?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, two very related you know things about me you know one i've i've always been a perpetual student and i've i've always enjoyed solving problems and so i've always just had a a natural bent towards math and science and you know kind of a stem uh, arena and my dad my dad's a phd in mathematics was a professor so i mean i had a you know good good background there but also my dad was also an entrepreneur himself you know he owned his own consulting business early in his career um, and then when when I was in high school, I I played baseball, and we started a batting cage business. We so, we sold batting cages. Um, you know, we 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 create, we we built our own batting cage for for myself so I could hit more, and and it was a portable thing that we put in our backyards, and and uh, we're like, hey, somebody else might want to. Want this and let's try selling it. So, so we started selling batting cages online. Um, this was back in the late '90s too. So, e-commerce was not a not a big thing back, then. <laughs> you know. So, so kind of kind of pioneers in the e-commerce space. It was fun, but uh, so I, I got my kind of like that bug for entrepreneurship through through those experiences, and and then um, started, you know, just in computer science. Got exposed to a program called the Scholarship for Service program through the Naval Postgraduate School. There's many schools across the country that offer it, but uh, um, I got accepted into the Naval Postgrad School. And so, uh, so went there with the emphasis of getting a master's in computer science with a, with a focus in security. Uh, and that's how I got my start. You know, I mean, it was a guaranteed job. You, you actually, you had to work for the government to pay back that scholarship. And, and um, so I started in the DOD, um, wore a ton of hats, which was fun, you know, cause back this, this is 2006, right? So, um, you know, there's cyber is still still in its infancy. I mean, I would say it's still in its infancy today. But uh, you know, there was a, a very very few cyber jobs back then. If you weren't in like the government or or many like you know much bigger organizations, right? So, uh, so wore a lot of hats: bull management, incident response, forensics, um, certification, accreditation, all of that stuff. And and so it was fun. I, I got a really good exposure there and, and just continued to progress and kind of found my niche in penetration testing before I, you know, launched into my, into my own company. Right. So
0: uh, that's interesting though. I like that you had built your business early as a, um, in, you know, early on in your life, the batting cage business. So entrepreneurial hat, but also, and it sounds like from that experience, but then also maybe, with, um, learning from your dad, um, clearly you have the you know technical competencies right and, and technical chops there but you have a pretty good business sense too so um you know did did that help quite a bit in terms of you know becoming a ceo and founder of a company we see a lot of i'm originally from California silicon Valley so every company i worked at since out of college it was engineering led first right and most all of the ceos had um, been engineering in their you know, before starting the company and they would either have to figure out how to hire right to learn the business or learn that before or figure that out. But having a balance of both, um, I'm guessing it helped you with building and founding your own company and, and having the combination.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it did. You know, I mean, I, it was always, it was, I was always something that was fascinated by, um, and, and definitely, you know, being you know where we're at now, it is definitely like an MBA by fire, right? I mean, I, I've I've continued to learn so much more. I mean, there's so much I you know don't know and didn't know. Um, but but definitely having some of those early, some of that early foundation of just kind of some general business sense of like, hey, you know, like there's there's more to just having a product. You have to be able to market it. You have to be able to sell it. You have to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, get good feedback and incorporate that feedback. And 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 so so some of those business basics, you know, yes, I did have some. Of that foundation, which was very helpful, um, and, and exciting too. Right. So,
0: and then how did it come about? Um, you know, what led you to thinking, okay, it's time for me to start my own company and, you know, I'm going to go for it. What, what was the impetus?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so in my penetration testing days and career, um, you know, I, I started to just kind of encounter some problems. <clears throat> um, I hated writing reports, as do most pen testers <laughs> and probably most people in general. You know, like yep. the last thing you want to do you'd ma- you'd rather be doing the fun hacking and things like that. So I hated I hated the report writing process, but I, but more importantly, I hated dealing with word documents and and resizing of screenshots and all these things that were just kind of very menial tasks right and I, I felt like this this feels like a waste of time the other part of it too is like i i felt I didn't like the delivery mechanism of this of this report. You know, we're 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 delivering it, and we don't know what what work is getting done on it. We can't really collaborate with the people that are supposed to fix the issues. And this doesn't this this I st- I found that this was a universal problem. It was not just hey, this is um, uh, me as a consultant. You know, uh, when I worked on internal teams for large organizations, you you experienced the same frustration of. You know what do we do with these results, and and how do we collaborate on the actual fixing of these issues? Because I hated coming back, you know, a year later, uh, rewriting the same report. You know, so like you feel like you found the same issues because nobody went and fixed them. So I felt like this was a problem, and you know, having that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, wanting to eventually start my own company, I was like you know, I kind of came to also to this, you know, resolution or, you know, revelation, like I may not have like a world changing idea right now, like, you know, but that shouldn't prohibit me from trying to start something right so let's start somewhere and then see where it goes so so that was the impetus for Plextrack. track I, I really set out to help solve and automate the re- report writing process in in an assessment as as best as possible um and then have a platform to be able to collaborate on these results that that really you know show um analytics and in progress in real time rather than a document-based mechanism so I started. I started writing the, the the platform on the side as a side project. Um, continued to kind of get feedback from my peer group and my network, and then uh, and then started actually getting some early customers, which is when I felt like, hey, now I've got some traction, right? And uh, you know, being in cyber for so long and being in risk management is like, you know, then I was like, okay, now I feel like I might actually have a chance here to maybe maybe start, you know, kind of building and scaling this thing. So I I, I finally came to the de- decision to quit the day job. And then dove in full time to Plextrack in March of 2019. So pretty much three years ago is when I dove in full time, and um, and uh, and it's just been off to the races ever since, for sure.
1: Gosh, Dan, when I hear this, 2019, you launch a business. You're like being in cybersecurity in general, and being part of that corporate environment, and then taking the plunge to entrepreneurship, and then right when you start to get the business going, the pandemic. (laughs) Happens.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't mince words, my friend. Has it been fun for you or has it been a just a freaking rock and roll ride?
2: Oh, you know, I mean... The, the only way i can describe it is is surreal right i mean the there there's no doubt there's the ups and downs of, of, of entre of entrepreneurship in general right and then you know we just kind of you know it's it's kind of water off our backs now like hey you know we had to really grow straight through the pandemic you know like nobody plans for that right and and how do you how do you get into companies that have either frozen their budget or they you're already kind of an unbudgeted item you know we're we're kind of a new category of product Um, and so they, they weren't even planning for it. And even if they wanted it, they couldn't spend money to get it. You know, it's so, so we really had to be, you know, we really had to be on our toes and that's, and that's a testament, you know, we grew, we grew great through 2020. Um, but it was a testament to our product and to our team for, you know, finding the creative ways to get deals done. Um, so, so, but in, in terms of answering your question, I mean, it's just, it's just been, yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy journey, right. And, and exciting. And, you know, now, now, you know, we're in a, a different era, you know, geopolitical space, you know, it's so like, there's just, you know, we're always going to get kind of the, le- 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 ah, sorry, the lesson learned for us is like, you can't, you can't only plan for the things that you have control over, um, and then, and then adapt. Right. So, um, yeah, for anything that comes your way that you, <laughs> that you certainly weren't anticipating, like, you know, like a global pandemic or, you know, you know, a, a, you know, a, the biggest war in, in Europe since, you know, since World War II. Right. So.
0: Yeah. So, okay. On that note, um, and it's going to lead to more of a, I think you could probably give some advice to others out there who are either in your seat or maybe looking to start their own company and in this crowded market someday. But, you know, we definitely with um, this situation with Ukraine and Russia, um, and I want to just thank everyone who's been supporting and the community I know has stepped up and sleepless nights, as I'm sure many in cyber are getting. But, it, you know, at the forefront of it all and all over the news is that new um, threat back. Vector right in cyber war, mm-hmm. it is definitely a weapon right. And we look at the weaponization of data and the digitization and the bad human behavior as war ta- warfare tactics, and then disinformation. Um, it's a lot going on, and so you you're you know you're running a company number one in a crazy market <laughs> that can be high stress at times and unpredictable, and then this situation right. Um it I guess you seem like a pretty chill guy. Guidance on what you do to kind of keep the calm in the chaos and, and and pass that along to you know the team, right? You're as a leader and to others at the company when things are just nuts, right? Um, because yeah. I sat on the it was a CISSP prep call. Um there were maybe 15 of us. And the guy who was going through it closed it out and had us all literally did a meditation. He had us all follow it, which is kind of the first for any cyber call i had been on, but I must say it, it helped. And I have my own ways to kind of deal with the chaos, but w- what are some tips and tricks and how do you do it all? Cause it, it, you know, it's not easy.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's, there's certainly things, you know, so, so I, I am fairly, you know, religious. So whether you pray or, or things like that, I think they're just ways to calm your mind, you know, help. Right. Um, and, and so that that certainly helps. just on the personal side, right? But I think you know what I what I really encourage our team is like well, you know one you know yeah I get I get stressed out at times too right? There's <laughs> there are certainly times when I could be you know pretty stressed, but but I think you're human. I think, yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't be otherwise. And so. Um, I think what what I really encourage our team even like with with my kids is like hey there there's there's things that we can control and there's things that we can't right and so let's stay vigilant about the things that we need to be vigilant about and 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 do our diligence I mean because we as a company we need to make sure we're protected and, and protecting ourselves for any any you know escalated attacks or just you know uh, anything that might be coming our way but also our customers are are they're on the front lines right they're the ones that are fighting these battles and so how can we help them? Right. And, and what are the ways, you know, being a calm voice and a supportive voice, Hey, we're, we're, we're with you in this battle, um, you know, are the things that we know we can do. Um, And so, you know, it kind of come back to like when the pandemic hit, you know, we had a plan of like, here's what we were going to do for 2020 regarding marketing. We were going to do conferences and we were going to do in-person events and all these things. And it's like, well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. So, so we have to adapt. Right. And, and I think that the, the, the the growth mindset is also something to be very important it is, is is an important thing to keep at the forefront too is like this situation we we can learn something from it and how does that help us you know get get through today and focus on tomorrow. Um, not, not easy uh, by any means. And there's certainly times, you know, like, I mean, like there, there, there is stress, right. There's, there's fear and, but you can't let, you can't let fear control. You know, I think I heard a good phrase and I, I might butcher it, but you know, stress is good when it helps, produ- you know, when it helps provide you with good outcomes, whereas anxiety is where, where it, it, you be internalize it to the point where you can't, you can't be productive. Right. And so, so, learning where that balance is not only for yourself, but for your organization is important so that you can really recognize, Hey, these are the things that we need to focus on. Right. And like, this is what we get done today and tomorrow will take care of itself. Right. So.
0: I
1: love that. I love that attitude you share, Dan, because I feel like in cybersecurity specifically, there's so much pressure to perform. There's so much pressure to not have an incident. <laughs> right. And I can see where professionals might, whether they consciously or subconsciously develop it is that anxiety is always there a bit nagging because it feels like to me, you, you're never on top of it. Your security solutions that you've provided or you set for your environment is not bulletproof. Right. So I, I love the way you say that control what you can. And then with response, you know, respond accordingly. Um, so have you ever had a team where they just like an incident happens and everyone's just kind of like, Oh, son of a sea cook it everything's like, yeah. like what have you done to say okay guys this happened then what's next
2: yeah um you know i think you know I, I mean i've been i've been on teams not where i was the leader but i've been on teams where something like that happened and what i took away from it was i i've had good and bad situations in that you know when i was more of an individual contributor and i it's like in one instance we had we had prepared for it right we had done our diligence in terms of like, what would happen if, and we did those tabletop exercises, you know, so like, because yeah, it is nerve wracking. The, the, the heart rate, the adrenaline is, is higher when you just like, somebody is in our environment, (laughs) you know, that that's not supposed to be there. Right. What, how are we, how do we got to find them? How are we going to, you know, what have they already done? You know, and that is, that keeps you up at night during those incidents. And so to keep calm, you, you have to have prepared ahead of time. Right, Um, and on the the, the converse, that's happened when we weren't prepared, like we weren't, you know, ready. And and so, um, so as I've been a leader, it's it's trying to take the mindset of like, hey, we need, we we do have to be. Diligent in what we can prepare for, right? You know, and and then that makes those situations easier. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I I played baseball growing up, and and I I preach this to my team all the time: is that when you focus on the fundamentals and you do those daily fundamentals correctly and well, and and focus on excellence in those small things, the big things take care of themselves because you don't go to the you don't go to the you know the batter's box and. Try to hit a home run. You hit a home run when you've got a good swing and you've practiced, and it just comes naturally. Um, so, so those are the those are the kinds of principles I, I really try to instill in my team. You know, and and the small things you know lead way you know to the big things.
0: You have really good perspective, and and I like how you position the fundamentals and skill sets. Um, so going into that, because you know this was a def- it's definitely a big part of your job. Um, but hiring, right. And, and building the team. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on this too, because we do have, I think we'd all be remiss if we said we didn't have a problem in the industry, getting more people into cyber and helping them to navigate. Um, And, you know, I think there's more and more people and organizations that are coming to help with that. And we're slowly seeing that change. Um, You know, I also like your background that you've been at a few different type of companies, right. In your career with that perspective and, and probably have been able to see from both sides. Right. I think you've been, I'll say like that end user side, Anthem Mayo, right. On the cool. vendor side too. Um, but when you think about hiring and cybersecurity and, you know, specifically as you're growing Plex track, what, what are some of the ways that you think um, we can, really focus on more to help the situation and then to attract more diverse talent.
2: Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I think that, I think as a community, it's important to, to have the mindset that you're going to give back a little bit, you know, for those of us that have been, been around the block, maybe more than once, you know, you know, that, that, uh, that, that, that your time is valuable to, to the next generation of, of, of leaders and, and of, and of practitioners, you know, we're always going to have a shortage. Um, And so, so really finding ways to give back and, and, you know, whether that's through intern, you know, offering mentorships and internships or, you know, working in the local chapters of whatever it is like DEF CON groups or um, ISACA or ISSA and things like that. So really trying to, to be purposeful about that, I think is really important because it's easy to, it's, it's easy for all of us to say like, Oh yeah, we've got a problem. Um, that's too bad, you know? And I I hope we can figure that out. And, 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 and recognizing that small things actually do make a difference. Even, even things like this. I mean, I learned this was, this was, I mean, this made a difference to me as I spoke at a local in Boise here, I, I spoke at our Boise ISSA conference, um, several years ago. And it was when I was at Mayo clinic Mm-hmm. And, and I, I had just kind of given a talk on, on one of the, um, one of the kind of recent attacks or, I mean, um, hacking techniques that I, that I'd utilized in a test. Right. I mean, it was fairly, to me, fairly simple. Um, but you know, I got a, I got a note from a guy maybe three years later and it was on LinkedIn. And he just said, I, he, I think, I think when we had launched the company, you know, he, he, he'd, reached out and just said, congrats. And then, and I said, "Hey thanks, you know how are you doing And, and um, he's like, "Hey, I, I want to thank you for that that talk that you gave you know back then because that really inspired me to go into cybersecurity, you know and I was like i I, I had no clue <laughs> you know and, and I'm not going to take any credit beyond you know i mean well I'm glad that, that I'm glad that meant something for you right you know and so i think, I think recognizing that that you do have an influence regardless of 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 where you're at right and what you feel like competent saying." right you know cuz i've i've always had an imposter syndrome <laughs> you know like there's there's way smarter people out in the world than me so what what am i going to you know what am i going to be able to offer um but i think that's important to to recognize that you do have a voice and and so giving back in whether that's your time or your you know your skills is is one way that we can continue to help not only in diversity too right because people don't always have the 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 resources or the the abilities to to get to the the stages that we've been in so so seeking that out too and being purposeful about it I think is really important um, but um, aside from that from like the personal level I think it is important as industry to really continue to focus on you know mentorship programs um, and getting people in the door and getting exposure whether that's uh, whether that's internal to a company like because I think I mean some of the best, some of the best security people I've ever worked with are software engineers by trade. And they're, they're just it professionals by trade, you know, and they just, they have that, they have that instinct to like dig deeper on the security side. Uh, so trying to find those, trying to find those nuggets of, you know, uh, wisdom from, <clears throat> from, well, I guess, you know, that, in, that inspiration from those people, um, is, is one way, uh, you know, but I think it's a big, it's a big, Problem to tackle, and so we have to do it collectively, you know, as an industry, is, is continue to bring awareness to it um, and get people excited about the cool things that you get to do. I mean, it's very mission oriented because, like, like, like you said um, earlier. I mean, it's it can be a daunting job, right? <laughs> it can be it can be very overwhelming, and there's there's certainly mental health issues, you know, related to burnout and, and things like that. So, um, I think that's where that kind of taking things a day at a time really starts to to play a factor.
1: So I wonder sometimes with cybersecurity, I think there's an assumption that, oh, I'm going to go into cybersecurity, so therefore I'm going to be a software engineer. I'm going to be a coder, right? And Or I mean, what are your thoughts on the diverse ecosystem that represents cybersecurity, right? There's It's not just, you know, I'm going to be on the red team or the blue team or whatever team. I, I'm wondering, like, do you see this and do you encourage people in your own company if Maybe they started down a path. Maybe there might be more like salespeople, for example, selfishly asking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I I think you're you're spot on. I think that um, you know, one, I mean, any any kind of background is gonna help, right? But I think at the end of the day, cybersecurity is every everybody's responsibility. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then, you know, once once you know it kind of building a culture around you know being safe and, and practicing good hygiene on a, on a cyber perspective, that's those are principles that can apply to everybody. And then by doing so by spreading that word and, and having good security awareness training and, and I, I, I use that cautiously because like, I think that we're all kind of burnt out from like you know the the, the LMS type you know training um, but but really building a culture around how, how is your organization staying safe and secure? you might actually inspire that that salesperson or you know that marketing person to say i want to actually go into this right and you know and and it's while it's not easy it's it, it's certainly doable regardless of your background right it just takes it just takes some grit and initiative
0: yeah no doubt that was uh, my path was unconventional and it had started on you know pr and marketing and into cyber so i'm always you know in a tech company or cybersecurity company but it is doable um Okay. So I know this is also part of the overall, you know, business and Plex track, but, you know, red team, blue teams, people very familiar, right? Um, And then, and I don't know exactly when the date was, or if we can pinpoint and go back in time here, maybe you can help us out here. But then all of a sudden, you've got purple teaming, (laughs) right? (laughs) Kind of that uh, amalgamation of the blue and red teams into the uh, single team and to provide value to business um, actually define if you would define that from your viewpoint, but then also what, you know, how did that kind of originate and develop? Because not everybody, you know, knows about it. It is still new. Um, and I think there's, uh, more people trying to figure out where, how is that evolving as we look at everything?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, traditionally purple teaming is, you know, that more collaborative assessment where, the red team you know is is doing the attacking they're the offensive um piece of the puzzle, right? So they're doing the attacking, the pen testing, and and highlighting the techniques that they're doing, so that the blue team can sit right alongside them, whether that's virtual or at a, you know in a table you know, uh, conference room tabletop exercise type of a thing. But it's really meant to be a very collaborative and exercise where these are the thing, these are the tactics and techniques that the, the red team is testing and trying. Can the blue team identify you know forensically, or is is are the systems configured to block it, right? So that's kind of the traditional sense of what a of what a, where a purple team comes from, you know, red and blue make purple. And, um, and that's, <laughs> you know, that took me a, l- a couple couple minutes to understand at <laughs> first, you know, I'm not an artistic person. <laughs> so, but, but that's, that's the notion is that it's much more collaborative. Um, at PlexTrack, you know, we actually abstract that even further to just mean any kind of proactive assessment, you know, needs to be in collaboration with the defensive team, right? The people that, you know, you, you learn better in these, in these kind of what I would call, you know, micro assessments where it's like we're testing this thing did you see it and and getting into a a framework or a paradigm around continuous testing and much more collaborative around it um and that's where I see the industry going. You know, I think I think that um, what people are finding is that when you have that mindset, you make a lot of progress in your security posture, right? Because it's not like oh, we're waiting for our quarterly pen test or our annual pen test, and then we'll go fix all the things. You know, it's, it's just there's too much time that goes on in between. And so when you kind of take a step back and you think like, okay, I want to test. Well, I think we have a gap in this area. Let's let's spend a month just, you know. Continuously testing things around that, and then just and then just buttoning them up, you make so much so much better progress, right? And you feel you feel more productive, right? You feel you have better morale as a team too. Like, hey, we're actually move, moving the needle here. So I, I I see I see that that where it's going. Um, you know, truthfully, I I couldn't tell you when it originated. I, I could tell you what my what my first exposure to it was, and it was just a concept. I had never actually done one or been involved in one, but, um, in my early pen test days. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember, there was a company called Accuvant, um, so Accuvant and fish, uh, fishnet merged to make Mm -hmm. Optive. Right. So I had, I had a lot of friends over at Accuvant and they kept talking about this, these purple team exercises. So this would have been Probably 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, maybe mm-hmm. even earlier. I don't know, but that, so that was the first time I got exposed to just the concept of what a purple team engagement was. Um, but you're right; it's it's not as well known, um, and it's you know, but it's continuing to grow in popularity as well because we do have this notion of like I need to know what the what the biggest gaps are and how an how an attacker would actually penetrate my network and so i'm going to simulate that and then i'm going to immediately pass those results off to the to the team that needs to go you know configure correctly or patch and things like that
0: yeah. And, you know, I want to get some perspective from you too, because of your background and, and um, experience on, you know, cyber risk management, right? Because mm-hmm. we hear the terms a lot with penetration testing, vulnerability scanning, and risk assessment. And sometimes they are thrown around interchangeably, change- but they are different, right? Mm-hmm. And when the, you look at a much um, broader just cyber risk management strategy and program altogether, um, and then the, evo- the advancements and evolution we need to make in, in that area, and especially there's a lot more conversation now on how do you get closer to um, the results equating to the business, right? And the business enablers. Um, what what are your thoughts there? And I'm especially curious because you you've come from that mix of you've worked at a vendor, right? Now back at one is the CEO and founder, but you've also worked at, um, you know, like Mayo and Anthem and others where vendors were pitching to you. And it, I have to imagine it's, it was very different experiences, right? Um, where right. you're at a vendor and everyone knows technology to some degree, and then you go the other way and you're in a smaller group of cybersecurity and IT folks, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so i would say like you know as a vendor you know and that's actually something that we are very focused on it's like you know we recognize that that we are we are you know we're collecting data that ultimately helps you know helps people identify their highest risks and i think you know um, findings and vulnerabilities from different types of assessments at the end of the day they they get aggregated into these levels of risk or these programmatic areas of risk and i think that's an important uh notion for people to understand is that risk management is, is, is an ongoing thing right and and so at any point in time you you should have a kind of a general idea of these are the these are the risks that are 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 the biggest ones in our organization and that we're focused on first right because you're, you're there's you're never going to be risk-free right so so what are the what are the highest risks to our organization and how do we go resolve them and so so Plextrack, you know we really feed into the into that that programmatic um, perspective of like, here, here are the things that have come out of these proactive assessments and these pen tests and these vulnerability scans and risk assessments. And so, uh, you know, they, they get categorized accordingly. And so then, then people have a better view of like, if, if I, I'll make, I'll make progress if I go fix these things. Right. And so I think that's an important uh, aspect to learn um, and to, to recognize is that Um, there's not, there's not going to be any one tool that's going to solve your problems. Right. I think, I think some people would like just to hit an easy button of like, Hey, if I could just like do this, then I just hit that and I'm good. Right. There, there is work at the end of the day, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's important is that, uh, I would say. You know, security is a mindset, security is is a culture, um, more than it is a technology problem, right? Um, we do need the technology to help us identify some of the gaps and things, but uh you know it's 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 a cultural and 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 procedure and process oriented thing, right? Which you know, humans I think are in general don't like to follow process. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it challenging right um, but like I mean, I think the perspective of being a vendor versus having been pitched to by a lot of vendors is that you know we try to make sure that we 're focused on the mission as a vendor because it 's very very easy there's I, I would say I would say vendors drive a lot of security programs today, and that 's not that 's not the way that it should be right Companies need to drive their security programs and what they 're focused on. Um, the, the biggest question that, uh, when I, when I was a director, you know, our, my architect, you know, he always, you know, we were in alignment, but we were always asking what, what problem are we trying to solve? Like, let's, let's define what problem we're trying to solve and then go find the solutions to go do it. Even if that starts with pen and paper, right. And then we go find the automated ways to do that. And, and, and I think the converse is just too, too much, uh, too prevalent today where, I'm just building a security program. I'll talk to this vendor and they'll tell me how to solve all the problems. Right. You know, but I'm spending all the money with them. Right. So, so I think that's an, just an important distinction is like drive, let, you know, let your security program drive the technology decisions that you need to make for, uh, you know, for your program to get better.
0: You're very quotable. It's uh, It says, if you can teach a masterclass on this, Sia loves masterclasses.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I never thought of that before.
1: <laughs> well, he was actually making me chuckle a little earlier. And you said, you know, it's a life, it's a, you know, cybersecurity is a lifestyle. And uh, I chuckle at that because it is like you have to, because it does require you to always stay mentally aware of what's going on. It, there is a danger in relying on your vendors because their vendors have their own priorities. Yep, And I think cyber in general does, it's, I think it's evolving. Okay. I don't want to say in the past, maybe my background is definitely aged age, some bit, but based on the leadership folks like you that I'm talking to, I see that cybersecurity leaders are understanding the business language. They're understanding how to, get the C-suite to understand why certain investments need to be made and where Mm -hmm. it affects the overall business bottom line. And I think that's, what's exciting is that again, all the different positions that you have in cybersecurity profession, um, everyone can touch, you know, some segment of that, I guess.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think you also raise a good point is that part of being a good security person is being able to communicate effectively. What, what is the risk? You know, what is, what, what does this mean? You, you know, you'll lose credibility if everything is like the world is going to, you know, end, you know, with, if we don't fix this, because, because it's just not true, right? It has to be in the context of what are the priorities and and how does this help the business? And what, what am I avoiding by doing this versus You know, if we, if we ignore it, what happens, right? <laughs> so, so being good communicators is an important part of being a good security professional
0: you know, talking about the evolution of everything too, right. Um, And I think I saw this, it was something you may be quoted or explained on a social channel. Um, You, you positioned it as perpetual um, asker of questions, (laughs) 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 which I love. Um, But what do you do this day, you know, to, to continue to learn and, and evolve and advance in, in your knowledge as we're, you know, rapidly, uh, go, going through this industry and space, what are some things that you do?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I do, I do try to stay close to social. I mean, especially like LinkedIn and Twitter from the perspective, I, I'm, I'm not as active on those, but I, I, I use those as, as information sources. Right. So I try to, I try to stay in tune with like, you know, what's going on in the world today, um, on, with the boots on the ground, so to speak. Um, and then I, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of books on audible, um, you know, and and whether that's leadership oriented or business oriented, because you know my role has changed. You know, from being you know a technical founder to to a CEO. CEO. And so I always know I, I need to be improving myself and my skills, um, so that I can lead this team. So so it's kind of it's kind of twofold. Like, how do I become a better leader and in, in a CEO, and then how do I make sure that we're positioned. Correctly in the industry, right? And how are we helping make an impact in the security space? So, so it's twofold. You know, I, I I've I've got to kind of continue to grow my skills as a CEO, and then also, hey, what's what's happening in the security world today? And I mean, I that that stuff I love. And I mean, this is one other nice thing about um, being in the industry is is I feel like I've got great a great network of friends and, and mentors that you know I can ask a question like, hey, what are you seeing, or like what. You know what? What is you know what is what are the things that you're keeping you up at night <laughs> that I'm that it may not be on my radar, right? So, I think that that's an important um, aspect is is continuing to build the network of 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 friends and confidants in the industry because we, we're we're always at least the people I choose to associate with, always very helpful. <laughs> right. So, you know, not, not, I try to avoid the really egotistical people that, that are just, that just feel like they're just in it for themselves. Right. <laughs> no, no one wants yeah. to really be around them. Yeah. Right? Talking right. Right. There's right. only like one or two, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> only three, maybe. Yeah. And that's actually why I think we love doing this so much is we get to talk to and meet, really interesting and cool people like yourself by the way so it does make it fun um and we learn but also um okay so you i know this isn't necessarily your first now business you started because we already found out that you created your own uh baseball (laughs) e-commerce business early on but you know if you and you mentioned that the learning process of it was that mba by fire right right well if you went back and had to do Again, is there anything that you would change or do differently, or do you think no? Because everything I had to stumble on or whatever, um, to get to where you guys are today, which again, great Uh, congrats on that series B funding. Um, yeah, Uh, would you change it or no?
2: It's a great question. I mean, uh, macro level, no, right? You know, you can always look back at certain scenarios, they're like, oh man, I really shouldn't have hired that person, right? Or something like that, but you know, at the macro level, like these are all things that just you know, life is going to throw at you. Right. So, I mean, like the good and the bad. So, I mean, I just feel very blessed that, you know, we, we, we hit the market at at a good time, um, you know, and that, you know, I put in that work ahead of time to be able to put ourselves in a position for this. um, And that, that we still have a lot of work to do and a lot of growing to do. So I, I don't really have any regrets. You know, I mean, I think, I think that that's, um, you know, there, there might be small things that like, oh yeah, I should have done that differently or, you know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, taking a little more time in this decision. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And 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 uh, so I can't, I can't, I can't look back and say, oh, I, I totally would have done something different. <laughs> so,
1: but well, you've done clearly something, right, my friend? Because using that level of funding, I mean, yeah. So, so I, I'm an entrepreneur as well, and um, here in Dallas, Texas, I'm part of a business organization. And uh, we talk to a lot of investors at times. We talk to a lot of our, you know, colleagues, these other small business owners that are looking to raise capital. So, may I just shift one question because it's always on everyone's mind: is Is there any advice you would give for someone that's looking for access to capital? And your experience on that? I mean, one thing I've heard is: don't take the first offer. Don't just take. Not all money is good money. Do you agree with that?
2: I, I do agree with that. I think you know. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's money is green, right? And so, so I've always really tried to focus on who are the right people I want at the table. You know that can that can help me and help the business grow, right? And so, finding the right partners. And I've always, I've always tried to make sh- sure that the business is is in a position to be able to have that that kind of flexibility or that, that luxury, I would say, you know, where, uh, you know, cause some companies like, you know, you might just be like, Hey, if we don't get capital now, three months from now, we, we got to shut our doors. And, and so really, it would be a really tough position to be in. And so I think it's important to, to focus on who are the right people I want as, as partners. Cause you're going to be in this for a long, long, long haul. And, and do they bring the things that, that complement me or, uh, you know, can help, uh, you know, fill in the gaps of, of areas that we need for growth um, or help us, you know, find talent um, or, you know, connections in the industry. Those are all things that I think are important to, to play in. And as well as, as what is, what is the investor's mentality? You know, what is their horizon and what is, what are their goals? Some, some investors are going to be very hard uh, drivers of like, Hey, we've got to get an exit in three years. Or some people are like, we couldn't care. I mean, and I've genuinely talked to investors, like we don't care when the exit is like, we're, we're in this for, for you for the long haul. Right. So like there's a, there's, there's all kinds of different investors. And yeah. So I think that's important is to recognize like, it's like dating, you know. I mean, you do want to talk to a lot of people.
1: <laughs> so. I, don't, I don't know what that means, man. Leah, you do it for me.
0: <laughs> so you know, we appreciate you coming with just like the calm and you know level-headed and just very grounded um, approach here. It's very refreshing, by the way, in in the chaos that's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think we need to stop and appreciate those those moments, right. And those conversations that kind of do, um, that shift your mindset a bit when you need it. So thank you for that. But, you know, so, okay, going forward, right. Um, say next six months or so, um, what's next for it in terms of the, you know, maybe you personally or professionally in the company and are you guys hiring specifically too? Yeah.
2: So definitely we are hiring. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, you know, that's, that's definitely, you know, what, I mean, my opinion is like one of the best uses of of funding is to go hire great people because they help you build great companies. Right. So, so we are definitely hiring um, in all areas. Just go to our website, plextrack.com. I, uh, I should know that. I think slash careers is what it is, <laughs> not <laughs> slash jobs slash careers. Uh, but you can you can find you know can find our careers on the website, and so we've got tons of tons of openings there, and and definitely looking for great people. Doesn't have to be in Boise. Um, you know we have lots of remote folks, um, so just looking for the best talent. Um, and then you know I guess for the for the company, yeah, continuing to focus on growth, growth of the platform. Continuing to provide better visibility and better metrics and analytics for our customers, and and how are, are are they trending in the right direction? That's the ultimate goal that we you know want to provide uh, the visibility we want to provide for them. Um, and then and then personally, I'm just you know continuing to grow as a, as a CEO. You know we are in a new chapter of the company, and so I want to I want to continue to improve myself and and help this company continue to be you know in a high growth, exciting exciting uh, time.
0: Well, for the listeners out there, um, great leadership at this company. Uh you know, Dan has a, I think your background is phenomenal and your philosophy and attitude. And so check them out. We will add the link. <laughs> um that again, exciting all around. You know, thank you for sharing with us your story, your entrepreneurial skill sets at a young age. Um The success that you guys have had already, I know it's um, not easy in this crowded market. So we wish you a lot of good success and however we can help and support. And we will send some talent your way. But um, any parting thoughts as we wrap up here?
2: And no, no. I mean, it, it's been a pleasure. I mean, thanks for having me on, and you know, always, always excited to to talk about you know entrepreneurship and and obviously Plextrack, you know. And so uh, great, great work for both of you, and and happy to happy to help you all in in any ways that we can. So thank you
0: again, Dan. Thank you for coming on today and chatting with us, and um, all the great work that you and your team are doing. Um, we'll uh, see you out there again soon. Have you back on maybe um, to share more successes and. Thanks for keeping it so real for us. Uh, We appreciate it. So with that- Thank you. We uh, wrap up another diary entry.